to another edition of the Copcast podcast. The football's finally over, but, well, the rumours continue to come thick and fast as ever during the summer break. And to discuss where we are from a squad perspective um, so far, I've got Neil Patterson back in Germany for a sabbatical of sorts. I've got Andy Bell in Liverpool. I've got Dave Caron in Deepest Darkest Brazil. So let's see. Chief, let's start with um let's start with Sadio. It looks like he is gone very much so. It's it's a matter of when, not if now. Um and it's a bit out with the old and with the new. Um, which kind of you feel is, it's a bit when Alden, if you want, ask for something we were prepared to pay, say it's 30, away you go, and we'll look to we'll look to reinvest um, in a younger player with less excessive wage demands, playing minutes demands, etc., and someone who maybe doesn't have as many miles on the clock. So, you know, the legacy here, he's undoubtedly Liverpool great. Um, signed for thirty-four million. I remember my head nearly falling off of that figure um, six years ago. Um, he's won everything. It's two hundred sixty-nine games, one hundred and twenty goals, and he's off the barn for a, a similar sort of fee as we, we paid for him, if not a little bit more, um, inflating the side. So, you know, he's going to leave a hole. There's no doubt, but. Um, I think we discussed, Andy mentioned a little bit of recency bias uh, in the pod, uh, the, the pre-pod. And, you know, is it as much a loss as we think, um, especially given the age he is now and the, the excessive wage demands that we would have had to pay him to keep him? Um, well, first of all, he's had a great, an absolutely stellar career at Liverpool. Um, and... You know, he's made his intentions pretty clear once once Bayern spoke to his agent, I believe, and and um offered him the chance to come and play at the Alliance for in excess of three hundred three hundred grand a week. Um I think, you know, is he a loss? Yeah. But we've we've kind of already replaced him in the sense of Diaz coming in, who basically plays um, in a very similar position um, and has already had a chance to bet in and didn't really take long to, to get off the, you know, to hit the ground. Um, so it is, it is, you mentioned out with the old and with the new and it is kind of constant evolution rather than it being, um, you know, wholesale kind of three, four changes in, in one summer and one window we have, made additions to the front line over the last couple of windows. Obviously, Jolla coming in and um, and Diaz. Uh, we've now, of course, added Nunes. Um, is he succession planning for Salah going next season? Very possibly. Um, but we, what I'm sort of getting at here is in, in terms of a loss, well, we've covered, we've covered the position. So the player himself, fabulous and and gave us everything, but I think um, we've had his best years. <clears throat> and if he wants a new challenge and he wants a, a, a bumper payday, and 
you know, we feel that um, we can replace that and that it's a natural thing and it has to happen anyway, then it's quite handy for us to get this offer with him going into the final year of his contract because what was clear is we weren't going to renew at that, at that, um, at those wage demands. We weren't going to meet them. We weren't going to break the wage structure and uh, certainly not for, for uh, a player who, I think, what, 29, 30? Um, so it would have been, um, would have been a case of letting him run his contract down and to get the, the, the 39 or 40 million, I believe, um, back for him is, is brilliant. Uh, you can't really ask for, for much more. And it's, I think it's a move that probably suits everybody at this point. Uh, all parties concerned, um, can what can, can feel they've, they've got something from this deal. Um, <clears throat> Sadio, Bayern and, and Liverpool. And yeah, good luck to him. Um, I'm pretty confident that um, we'll, as I said, we've covered those positions in the signs we've made in in recent times, and um, therefore I don't feel that we're stuck in any way in the forward line, and so wish him well and uh, let him get on with it. Yeah, I think that's all. I think that's all totally fair. Um, and he has been a terrific servant. He's, he's- you know, as has been well documented and, and spoken about the the first piece in the Klopp jigsaw, but um, that's almost kind of it. Almost feels like a bookend to that era, where potentially now we move away from a lot of the when well, we already have moved away from a lot of the characteristics that kind of um, were associated with Klopp's Liverpool side, but potentially now even more so um he comes in he plays through the middle which, which is fine he does his kind of best bobby impression um but we'd almost really replaced him with with diaz and it looks like we've nearly replaced him twice now by by bad nunez to play through the middle yeah i think the, the kind of klopp style and, and the way he likes to to play with his front three or however many players is a little bit over exaggerated. If you look back at the start, okay, he was working with what he had, but he very much went for the the three kind of technical players with with no real pace in behind. Um, I think it's the it's Lalana, Coutinho, and Firmino that start the Europa League final that year. And I understand that he, he didn't have a player of real pace in behind in that team, but he he, he binned off Sturridge quite quickly. He didn't really use Sturridge as much as you would think. Um, he could have used him a little bit more if he wanted to go for more of that style. Uh, Origi plays quite a bit, and obviously Benteke gets binned off straight away. And then the next season, he goes to Mane, and Mane offers that pace in behind, which we were badly lacking. But Mane plays on the right, and it was kind of like playing two out-and-out wingers, and kind of getting to the touchline and getting crosses into the box more more so than anything else. And then it's only really the season after when Salah comes in and, and Mane moves over to the other side does he play those inverted wingers. And we kind of think that, that's the way Klopp's always done it, but the reality is, for what a year and a year and three quarters, it, it it wasn't that. And I think that you know, with the evolution of this side, and you know, we've seen probably the biggest change for me isn't isn't in the front three over the years. It's probably been how we've played. We used to be a, a real sort of gag and press inside, and now we everyone realizes we're so good, and we just have a real control over everything. And I think the Tiago signing was the, the biggest example of that. So I think we're constantly evolving. Jurgen isn't a 
he's a manager with it with with football and principles, but he's not afraid to sort of change the way he plays. And it's not so much a, a philosophy as kind of working with what you've got. And when you've so much less money than uh, your, your nearest rivals, you can't you kind of have to do that. You can't sort of try and do the exact same things because if, if you're doing the exact same things as Man City uh, and they've got 300 million more than you over five years, then you know they're the ones that are going to win all the leagues. So yeah, he's, he's been a brilliant servant. I you know I loved him in his first year. Um, and we have, to, we have to remember, you know, as, as much as he's he's won everything, this team has won everything and given us some of the best days of our lives. It was, I don't know how many years without Champions League football. It was only 13-14, really. And that was it from really the end of Rafa, I think. So, you know, you're talking, what, six or seven years with only one year of Champions League football. And we know that was a fluke because Suarez was there. And Mane coming in really gave us the impetus in that first half of the season. And I, I, I guess the best way I can describe his impact in that first half of the season was I went to the Wolves game in January uh, where they were in the championship and it was in the FA Cup that beat us 2-1 at Anfield and man I'd been away from three weeks and we just completely fell off a cliff we might even have been sort of near enough top of the league before you went away um, and I remember going home with my mate before we were going out in Liverpool that night streaming the African Cup of Nations quarterfinal on my phone and celebrating like mad when, when Senegal got knocked out so that that's how crucially he became for us in six months uh, and then he kind of had to adapt his game. Obviously, defenders and fullbacks knew he wasn't going to do them in behind anymore. Um, so he had to adapt. And like the best players and the best attackers, uh, he was able to adapt and he, he consistently hit big numbers for us. But I think as Chief was saying, I think as you were saying as well, out of the last two years, 18 months of it have been fairly average. And I think the club are, are more than happy to, you know, to, to bank on the idea that we're not missing out on a 25-30 goal season, money through the middle next season, rather that it probably be a little bit of a mixture of what we've seen over the last two years, and um, I think I think ultimately at this point of his career, the swap for Darwin Nunes is the right thing to do. Yeah, I, I think that's Dave. This kind of harks back to that old Paisley phrase, I think, where you you let their legs go at somebody else's club, um, and this is not, you know, this is not. An alien thing for for Liverpool to do. If you even go back as far as when they sold Keegan to Hamburg, replacing with Douglas, you know, Rush goes, Aldridge comes in, um, and you know sometimes it works, and you know, no, it doesn't work for Rush when he comes back. Um, it works for Keegan. Um, there's other examples like you know I think Larry Lloyd goes to goes to Forest and ends up winning a European Cup, maybe even two European Cups. I'm not sure. So. Yes, that's that's great for them and those individuals, and there might be another two years of, of, of Sadio Mane, but this ownership is not prepared to have essentially dead wages on their books, and I would presume that they view extending someone's contract into their mid-30s and doubling, and potentially, you know, what... Rumours are flying around about he's getting at Bayern Munich almost trebling his wages. It doesn't represent value for money for them. Absolutely not. And and look, I just want to echo what, what Chief and, and, and Andy have said. Like a, a fantastic service. You, you couldn't ask for anything more, Sadio Mane. But, but the point you make there, Dave, I, th- I think the biggest change, putting the old man head on, is, you know, sentiment has completely gone in football. You know, it was, you know, you can finish your career out here. It used to be, I think the amount of testimonials that we see or the lack of te- testimonials is, is testament to what I'm saying. 
And and it's just along those lines of what Paisley said about let their legs go at someone else's club. We're we're at the very, very top. We are at the complete top of the tree as we stand at the moment. And we need to have our players, especially with with our nearest rivals, as we've spoken, Master City with an open checkbook and basically can attract anybody they want. We have to play clever. And and in playing clever, that means we have to sometimes take decisions that are probably difficult and, and, and not very nice. And and look, if Bayern want to pay Sadio that money, fair play to Sadio Mane. He's, he, he's earned that contract, in my opinion. Um, you, you know you know what I mean. It's his, it's his final payday. Give give the guy. He, uh, he's won everything there is to win with Liverpool. I I'm very sorry to see him go, but I do want to just say what Andy said um, and, and double down on it. Like really, around before Af- African nations, if, if, if we'd have said Manny was off at the end of the season, I don't think too many of us would have cried too many tears. Just be- not because it's Sadio Mane or anything. It's it's just it, it's it's time. And they'll all have that bloody Virgil van Dijk will have his time. That's one thing that's consistent throughout eras of football. You all have your time. I think just the difference now, Dave, is the business element of it. You can't afford you can't afford to take that risk of of having an Alexis Sanchez basically a five hundred grand a week and, and not worth five grand a week. I think that that sums it up. Yeah, that's again. I think all that's said is is everything that needs to be said. I think and. You know, as I said, I was the older than you, and see if it's like we went and spent big. Um, this is not a, a Louis Diaz signing. This is this is more akin to a Van Dijk or an Allison signing. It's sixty-four million pounds on a player who's you know just about to turn twenty-three. Um, it's what potentially rising around eighty-five million, and that leap that we see players take or take at Liverpool or just before they're about to arrive. Um, he seems to have, his leap's like, I don't know, Carl Lewis, um, because he went from scoring 34 goals in 98 games to 34 goals in 41 games last season, you know. So he's doubled his goal tally for his career in in a quarter of the a quarter of his playing career so you know this is probably the closest you could come to a big name center forward um of the right age bracket the right attributes stylistically etc um, certainly with the physicality that everybody says you need in the Premier League after Holland and Mbappe. So we've just went up the next best thing, which is absolutely fine. Now, they've described him as a one-man attack. Um, and I do see shades of, of Torres and he moves the same way. He's, he's reins, he has that weird kind of languid run, but is a big stride and covers the ground really quickly. And scores those goals cutting in from from the the left hand channel and those those tarring headers that don't look that great but always seem to go in. And I just wonder, you know, is this the best that that we could have got? Is this the player that we needed, or would you have preferred to see the money applied into the much maligned midfield area of the pitch, given that Diaz came in in January? And uh, no, I think when you lose Sadio Mane, you lose gold. Uh, 
you know, first and foremost, as you said, he's got 20 plus for us in, I think, every season that he's, he's played for us. So while Diaz uh, has got goals in him, it's a lot to ask him to, to suddenly, um, to suddenly, you know, bag 20 uh, in his, in his first full season. Um, and I think, I think you've seen sort of hints that we're looking to evolve anyway in terms of in terms of shape. Um, I think that we're, we've also lost, funnily enough, we've also lost Divock, who gave us the only real height and physical presence that we had in in the front line in in any major way. Not saying that you don't get some of that from from our uh, current front three or our classic front three, if you will. With, Bobby and, and Sadio and Mo, but Nunes is a unit. You know, he's 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 six two and he's quick, and he's had that leap that sometimes happens in those you know those young players who are just who just suddenly explode, as you say with the numbers there. I mean, and the age he's twenty three, so he's just about to come into his real prime, sort of four five years. Um, as a as a player and, and certainly as a, a striker as a centre forward, those are certainly the, the best years generally of a of a striker's career. And we've obviously had an eye on him for a long time. There's people saying that he's been on our radar since he was like 15 or something. So uh, I, I don't know how far back it actually goes, but it's definitely uh, it's definitely a good a good way. Um, he obviously plays against us twice last season and and is a problem for us in both legs. Um, he scores against Barcelona. I think he scores against Bayern Munich. Um, yeah, I think he scores the winner against Ajax to get them through the previous round as well. Yeah, it, absolutely. So big goals and against you know some of the some of the top teams in Europe. Certainly some of the the top teams in the Champions League. Um, so it's very it's very exciting. It is a, I mean, don't want to keep doing it, but it is a little bit it's a bit like the Torres signing. Uh, it's the most we've ever spent on a forward. Um, and at the time, Torres was was our I think our record signing, and he just looks like he's he's as I said, sort of alluded to a minute ago. He just looks like he's hitting that he's hit that that switch. Where you go from being a good young striker to being, you know, hot to being the next big thing. Um, I mean, it ha- happened to Harry Kane as well. Um, for years, for a couple of years, two uh, two full seasons, I'd say, before he, he really started to hit his numbers. We were saying, and many others, I don't really, I don't really buy it with Kane. I'm, I'm not seeing it. And then bang, all of a sudden it happens, and he he he, he can't stop scoring. Um, it, it's 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 quite a formative age. It's it, either you kick on there or you don't, and that sort of separates the the ones who really make it and the ones who who just go on to have steady careers. Um, and Nunes looks and sounds by all accounts like um, like the perfect forward for us. He he can play from the left. He he does play from the centre. He's good in the air. He's quick. He's intelligent. Um, run. Uh, he's got really intelligent movement. He's unpredictable and hard to pick up because of that. 
he knows where the net is. 34 goals, I think you said, in 41 games. That's that's incredible at any level, um, particularly you know playing in uh, in the Portuguese league, which is off my line, but produces some really good players and some players who adapt really well to the Premier League. Um, so I think it, it really bodes well. It's really exciting because I haven't seen that much of him. Um, you know, it's not a league that you would watch regularly, that you'd have regular access to. And you can do a wee bit on YouTube, but it's it's not the real thing. So from what I saw against us, we really saw him for the 90 minutes in both games. He was, he was class. And you think like with, with the likes of Salah and, and Jota and Diaz and Thiago behind him, you know, it, 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 as I think Dave said in the pre-pod, Dave Karen, he's only going to succeed. So let's hope that he does. But yeah, it's a big signing. But I don't think there's massive pressure on him because he doesn't have to come in immediately and, and be this main man because we've got plenty of talent there already. And we have the chance to sort of work him in and, and let him acclimatise and uh, all the rest of it. So very exciting signing. Yeah, um, Andy, it, it's he does sit a little bit outside of the general stylistic type of forward that we've signed the last the last while. You know, obviously, Mane, Salah, Diaz all being fairly similar with general characteristics, and this guy's very much a number nine. Um, he's not a false nine, as you know, has been the rage all these years, and Firmino did it brilliantly and was so key, but. You know, I, I just wonder, does does this potentially suggest a change in tact from the manager? Do we see more of a a four two three one sort of system that that it may be used at a dormant? Because this guy it's it's not that he. It's not that I'm saying that he can't do that. I just think his attributes. If we want to play to his strengths, that's maybe the way to go. Yeah, it, it it could be, and I think one of the tactical tweaks that was maybe lost in the madness of last season was that um, when Jurgen or when Liverpool were struggling in games and the last day of the season being a prime example, he actually he did go four two three one, and Firmino did play in that. Role in behind, it seems that Elliot and Carvalho could possibly fit that role if you wanted to go for it as well. Um, so you well, know, you could, it's, you could probably argue Curtis Jones as well. Curtis Jones too. Yeah, there, there's so many players, and I always, ever ever since kind of the Mane signed in any so-called winger we've signed that doesn't have that real searing pace, I've always thought they're going to be kind of centralised and played in a central role somewhere. Obviously, we saw that with Wijnaldum when Klopp signed him. Ended up playing you know, a lot deeper than we thought, but still central. Harvey Elliott, the first time I, I realised he didn't, you know, his game wasn't really getting the byline and crosses in or, you know, doing defenders in behind. I always thought he would play more centrally. We've seen that come to the fore. Um, and, you know, so it is a position for, for a lot of our more attacking-minded young players who are, are technically gifted, as, uh, you know, rather than physically gifted. So, yeah, I, I think that's definitely possible. And, it's just a sign in that um, strikes of, I, th- I think, as, as both of you guys were saying, the idea of they're on a decent little crest of a wave and they're just about to explode. We saw that with Jota when he came in. 
Um, it's no surprise to me that after we were clearly interested in Jared Bowen last year, that he had his break, I guess, breakout season, you could call it. And I think, you know, the same thing's going to happen with, well, with Nunes, he already has had that breakout season, but it's a different type of signing, as you guys say. He's proven already. We know he can score goals. He scored goals internationally uh, in the Portuguese league. Okay, you can you can you know, say all you like about the quality of that, but at the end of the day, we're probably the best team in the world right now, and he looked very good against us. He scored goals against Barcelona. Uh, I think he got six goals in the Champions League last season. Obviously, fired Benfica to the, to the quarterfinals when probably their level wasn't that. And, um, you know, you expect Benfica to, to kind of be out at the group stages. And given that they're really the third best team in Portugal, uh, I think that was really impressive for them to go quarter the finals, even though they, they played Ajax in the round before, which is a nice draw. But still, you probably expect Ajax to win that. So he's been a massive part of of that for them. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. But I think I just want to touch on something Chief touched on there, which was a very pertinent point, I think, about, you know, Origi kind of being the only one uh, with that physical height and can hold the ball up and play with his back to goal because I actually think Origi last season you know obviously everyone goes on about the goals and the important goals and you know we had another one against Wolves we had the Derby uh, the, the Derby winner but I think someone that's forgotten that first goal in the Derby I think uh, is it Robertson scores it uh, you know we were really struggling in that game uh, Everton obviously we thought we were going to go in win 5 or 6 nil because of how badly they defended, but they set up in a way that really, really frustrated us, and chances were actually few and far between, and until he came on and was able to kind of hold the ball up for a couple of seconds in the box, you know, pretty much a six-yard box, and pop it off to Salah, we were really struggling to score, and we needed his different dimension to, to kind of come in and do that. And now that he's gone, you know, um, Darwin Nunes comes in, and you'd like to think he can sort of do the same thing. As I say, I haven't really seen that much of him, but You'd hope that he's he's kind of in the Howland mold of uh, the Howland mold of he can run in behind. He's got searing pace, but also he's six foot two and can win loads of balls in the air. And if you if we've hit upon that, if we've hit that sweet spot, then it's the it's he's an, he'll be an absolute monster for us. And I can I can see, you know, I can see him coming in and and really hitting the ground running, scoring 25, 30 goals last season. That wouldn't surprise me at all. So I think I mentioned in the last pod we did, which was post Champions League final, we did it. A little bit of chat about the transfers and I said you know I'd love Harry Kane just because you know with Haaland going to City that could be an extra five or six points for them and we need to respond to that um, and if Darwin Nunes is as good as the, the fee suggests then we have responded to it and you know we will be right up there challenging again and I think he'll I think he'll add points just this season I think he'll be worth quite a lot. It's interesting um, it's just it. To me, for me, David asks more questions than it answers right now, although there's a big question that needs to be answered, which is how do we drag ourselves with the fingernails above City whenever the 38th game is finished? Um, I don't know. It kind of strikes me, this one, by all accounts, it looked as though we were nailed on for, for, for too many this season. It was, it was all but done. Um, we just need to head in the run and, and then... As I'd said to you, you know, Real Madrid don't get Mbappe and and he's their their self-esteem signing. They threw ridiculous amounts of money at it. And I can't imagine that we would have paid anywhere close to the amount of money that Madrid ended up paying for him. Um, but what it does suggest to me is if Madrid paid 100 million, we're maybe going to go to 65, 70, maybe 80, maybe. But that would suggest that Midfield was a real priority for us this year, even with 
probably the expectation that Mane was going to go. So I'm just interested. There's been loads of chat, but do you think we do? Do you think we are still in the market for a midfielder? Do you think it's an area that still needs strengthened? And I want also, I think, you need to consider consider this situation here that there's a possibility that maybe we sign someone like Nunez because we can go that 4-2-3-1 and we don't maybe need an extra kind of number six, number eight sort of mould player. I, I don't know, Dave. I, I think... My my own opinion would be I think we're we're waiting on Bellingham. Uh, that's that's what I think. Um, I, I'm concerned for our midfield. I do think, although you know, we we talked pre-pod about Carvalho. We, we don't know really what we've got. None of us have seen any great sample size of him. But certainly the the reports would suggest that you know, coming from the championship and whatnot, that day was not that much of a you, you you know they talk about the physicality of the Premier League. Well, holy fuck, the, the championship's even worse. Or more so, if you will, a physical league. So there's there's no problem with them fitting in and and getting up to speed pretty fast. I don't think there's uh, any problem that way. It's just how good the kid is and how well he fits in with us. Um, midfield. My my only worry is that Thiago seems to just have that perpetual injury in him. You know, just when he gets up and running. Just, you know, we saw it just again there. Um, what was it at Wembley? Um, when, when he pulled up and he was lucky to get back from yeah. the Champions League, he it's was a, ha- critical, half of what he was. Times. It's a critical times because I think you're right, Dave. You know, it's and don't forget, there's that. You know, he's he's not right. Um, he's to come off in the in the FA Cup final. Um, and, and he wasn't right, and he wasn't right, and he wasn't right. It was very really? evident he no. wasn't right. But also, let's not forget as well, Dave. He gets injured in the warm up before the League Cup final as well. That, that's so that's not, what I mean, and then. He, they're big moments. It's not just it's not just a stretch of games. It's 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 been big moments as well. But it comes down again as well. Like as we said earlier in this pod about you know Klopp likes the three technical players there. He's 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 willing to, to to forfeit pace with it and so on for the right players. And I would say that when when we're looking at midfielders, I think it's probably the area that we we would scrutinise the most because they're so. They're so, they're so important to, to everything that we do. Um, they are the work. They are the engine room. That you, you know, like uh, it's it's. Um, I think it's the, the the profile of player that 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 stumps us more than anything else. Um, and by by all stretch, again, I haven't seen an awful lot of Bellingham. I've seen probably more of Bellingham than I've seen Carvalho, to be fair. But um, like he's he's a player. And he he would bring a different dimension, a bit like Nunez is going to bring to to our front line and whatnot. But David, there's there's a point in all of this that that appears if if, if things stay the same in our front line. You know, we've been talking about Nunez coming in and so on. We're still going to have those five, and there was such a difference after Diaz came in in January, with us having five quality forwards to to, to choose. We still have them. And it was such a game changer for us in the later part of the season. And that's why we, I believe we did so well. And that in itself, plus the fact, and, and I've often said this, and you, you often say no, but as, you know, we're reaching the stages of careers now where players need to start looking and maybe adapting and whatever. And maybe this is a time for Bobby, Bobby Firmino to take a step back. I know that you don't like this idea. <laughs> Um, and you say that he, he can't, but maybe, maybe it's time for Bobby Firmino to adapt this game and, and maybe play a few games in the midfield, Dave. I'll throw it back to you. 
I don't love the idea. I know people seem to fantasize about this for me, no playing an eight or a ten. Well, I, th- I, th- I, think, I think it's to keep him there, Dave. You know, like Bobby Firmino is an incredibly, incredibly popular player. Um, a popular gifted. Yeah, listen, I and, love, and, and I love Bobby. We want we want to believe we want to believe that he can adapt his game to play a position behind. That's all, or half half a position behind. No, so it's, it's fair. And like, I don't think he can play a ten. I don't think he can. I I just don't. I don't think he can play a ten. Um, because, the the reason I think this is. It's a similar, but it's like a false nine position is basically a ten, right? It's Mm -hmm. basically the same thing, except I think it's different. (laughs) (laughs) Right, fine. I think the I think the key difference is if you're a ten, you're generally playing facing the goal. What Firmino's, what for? I think Firmino's best work is when he's when he's got his back to goal, when he's popping the ball off, literally looking at Allison. And that sort of role is completely, it couldn't be more different than if you're playing in the number 10, where you're looking to always find the incisive pass. It's not the, I'm going to distract, I'm going to drag players out of position. It's all about movement with the false nine, back to goal. And then you, and then Firmino with his skill and his ingenuity and his creativity and his vision um, finds this like a little backflick um, or a little a little deaf touch, um, and that's for me what he's great at. And for a ten, I want someone for a ten. I want someone who can potentially shimmy and beat a man and take somebody out of the game, then drag another player out of position and find the pass. That's what I want. Like if you're talking to me about a ten. It's Coutinho. That's a 10. Do you know what I mean? That's the sort of player that you're looking for from a number 10. We can go back through the ages. Do you know what I mean? Like my all-time... You, you have absolutely record. absolutely no faith, no, no faith whatsoever that Bobby Firmino, in his later stage of his career, can't go to Klopp and say, can we try and adapt me to something else? Absolutely, he can try. Could he do it? Yes. Would he do it well enough to be a number 10 in this Liverpool team? trying to win the league against this Manchester City team consistently? No. On occasion against lesser sides, would it really, really be the worst? It wouldn't be the worst, but then if you're talking about playing in a situation, playing with a a, a system where you need a number 10, you know, we discussed earlier on, and Andy made the point, that you've got got Carvalho there, you've got Elliot there, and you've got Curtis... Klopp loves utility players, you know. Like, Klopp loves utility players. Look, I, I absolutely get it, I, and this kind of brings me. To the, the, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm only winding you up just for fun. No, it's 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 a it's a fair point, and it brings me nicely to the next question that that I was going to bring the chief is that we're we are actually in a weird situation now where <laughs> what we had was we were absolutely sound in the wide areas, um, which was fine, and we always like oh you know who do we play through the middle? We tried Salah through the middle, didn't really work. Mane sort of worked there at the end of the season and then really did start to work. But before that, it was like, oh, we're going to have to play Ricky through the middle. This is brutal. Um, now we've essentially got three players who you would say their best position is the middle player of the front three. I'm not going to call them number nine after that last conversation. But Nunez, Jota and Firmino. And 
there's every chance that we see Firmino doing stints out the left hand side next year because you're only go- you're only going to have Diaz and Salah for those two positions and you're top heavy through the middle. Yeah, I I don't know. I think you might see. Um... If we do see more of a four-two-three-one, which has already been mooted in this in this podcast and this conversation, and it also seems likely given what we've said about the midfield options and the likelihood of us going back in for another one this season not being that high or this summer, sorry, not being that high, although it could still happen. Um, then I think you're looking at at um. Nunez obviously playing at the tip, although you've got an option there with Bobby as well um, and Jota, so you potentially three. But I think you're looking at Nunez playing at the tip with um, Salah and Diaz on the flanks or flanks on the on the in the wide positions of the of the three behind, and then either a Jota or a Firmino in behind in the number ten role. Um, so you've got you, 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 but you've got options within that. Obviously, as we've mentioned, you know you can you can play Jota there. You can in the in the in the nine. You can play Bobby there. Um, you can even play Mo there. You can flip and and play two strikers with Nunes and Salah, for example, or Nunes and Jota. Um, Jota obviously played much more as a second striker and often off the left when he played for Wolves. Um, so he's got it in him. He's versatile. We, the forward options are frightening, really. Even even with with Sadio going, um, and and obviously Origi and Minamino perhaps look looks gone as well. Certainly Divock's gone, and and um, Minamino looks likely. But the options there are, are are frightening. And then we're not even talking about Harvey Elliott who can play there. In the in the ten, for example, Carvalho, who can who can certainly play in the ten there. Um, perhaps one or other of them can can also play in the wider position. You've got Curtis Jones that you mentioned earlier could also probably play in the ten. So you you've got real options there if you go that way. Um, so yeah, Bobby might find himself here and there on the left, but I, I can't see it with, with the extra position opening up sort of in, in front of the goal, i.e. the number 10 position. I can see him very much being a nine and a half this year, as in like half the time playing at nine and half the time playing at 10 um, when he gets his game. And I'm sure he will, because if he's if he's fit and, and firing, then he's, he's an asset um, and we'll use him wisely. So yeah, those four positions are are well covered, and we've got quality. We're we're oozing quality there. Um, so it's very exciting to see you know Carvalho, someone who barely talked about, and I don't really know very little about other than we think he's good enough to go and and pluck him from the from the championship. He's obviously played for a Fulham side that smashed it, and I think he's eight assists and ten goals, or eight goals and ten assists, uh, eleven um, goals and nine assists. There you go, even better. Competition. So he he hit twenty. And he there. scores against he scores against City at the Etihad as well, doesn't he? Can I even can I better. throw something out there as well, just about the the four two three one? Because we focus the conversation very much on the front four. Do you think there's anyone with the legs that can cover that too with Fabinho? Because I'm not sure Thiago can do it, and I'm not sure a 32 year old Henderson can do it either. 
Yeah, I was going to try and crowbar this question into the fact that that is that's a bit of an issue. The question was, does Trent cause you an issue to being able to play that way? Because you know, but I think when you is it not a case is it not a case of how much you tr- you trust your back to? And we're gambling. Look, at, at the end of the day, we're gambling. Our our midfield, our well, whole two are play with centre one, backs. You know what I mean? And get away with it's, it. It's about, back, it's about backing your centre backs, and, and we gamble like fuck doing that. So I, I think that's the way it goes. But I, I think, you know, if you've got a Bellingham or a Chiumeni, then 100% you go for that all day long with Fabinho. But for next season, that could be a point where we get exposed. And there's already kind of targeting the wide areas where we can get exposed because our full backs push up that much. And yes, you can say we trust the centre backs like mad, but like at the end of the day, Spurs expose us a lot with that. Um, you know when there's a decent. Well, I mean, it's, not, it's, not, it's not that it's not that, that, that we. It's the style of play. You know, our our whole game is based upon that gamble. That it pays more rewards to gamble with that high line. Uh, you know, it pays more dividends than, than it costs. Yeah. us. Oh, okay, it costs us an occasion. And I, I'm just wondering, is that even a consideration? You know, the, the question that you asked would would Klopp even consider that a consideration, given the fact that he's banking on those centre backs? I, I, I think. And, and the pressing ability also of, of the wide players to contain that. And if you've got a Fabinho there and, and you know, Henderson filling in or dropping in, um, making up an extra number there, I, I don't see it being a massive problem, honestly. But, I mean, I know what you mean. It can get exposed by the very best. But um, in general, against the teams you're facing, week in, week out, I think you're, you're, you're all right there, generally. Maybe going out on a limb, but... But if that's the I way we're I, going to play, it's certainly there's certainly a case for another signing in there uh, for someone who has the legs. If that's the case, Andy, it's a it's a, it's a good it's a fair point and a good question. And yeah. I think there's there's pros Definitely. and cons. There's pros and cons to this, you know. And I think what if you are going to play with Fabinho and let's say it's Henderson in there, um, maybe you don't have the legs. What you do get with the extra attacker, if you will, you get, you probably have a greater ability to press whenever we lose the ball. Um, certainly lose the ball in and around that kind of final third. You've got the extra man in there to make things difficult, which again, we know that's why the high line's there. But it's once you break through that, and we've seen ourselves get exposed time and time again. See, if you're right, City, City do do that. But I think the thing with City is, is they're they're way better at keeping the ball. So much are. control, yeah, yeah. Do you know we're good at keeping the ball, and our possession stats won't be that much behind theirs. But they just don't seem to lose them in so many dangerous areas, and they just and when they do, they just a tactical foul. Yeah, totally. And it's not even the fact that they control the game better. They control the other team a little bit better than we do, I find. So, that's yeah, why, Andy, go on. Sorry, just to, to jump in on that and, and this and uh, what you're saying there about the, the other midfielder. And I, I think that's ideally what would happen is you, 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 you can get rid of or an offer comes in for one or more of... of Chamberlain and and Kaida and you and you go in there and you, you get an extra midfielder and basically market this seat for that midfielder and and then you're boxed off 
Kate is the other one. I forgot about Kate. To be fair, I thought it was sort of between Henderson and Thiago, and I don't know if you even have trust to play Kate in it too. But I guess he can cover that ground a little bit better than the other two, probably, couldn't he? Yeah, there's exactly, there's yeah. the four there, and I think the the one player and Chief will be delighted that I've mentioned that um that we left out to complain the number ten position is is Chamberlain probably. So um well it, yeah, Andy, it, it, it is also an interesting means one. If you're keeping him, which you you may end up having to, or you may end up just doing, then it it actually gives him a role instead of trying to shoehorn him in somewhere or or other where he doesn't quite ever fit. Yeah, it's true. I think the other thing with with Chamberlain is I would say if you are going to go the four two three one, your your wide forwards aren't quite as wide or forward. Um, maybe even a bit wider rather than forward. Um, so. You know, there may be an option there to play him right-hand side if you have someone like Nunez in in the number nine position. It might just... Nunez might lend himself to Chamberlain's game a little bit better and so might assist him like that. But again... We're probably we're probably absolutely wrong, and it'll probably just be a, a happy happy as happy go lucky four three three next year. But Andy, you know, I think the, the thing the thing with this is is that we've seen before that okay, too many. He was obviously number one target, didn't get him. Um, there's been a few names mentioned. I think Bellingham is probably the one that everybody expects us to go for. I think everybody in the world of football expects us to go for Bellingham. And I just wonder, do we feel like maybe this season we we do change that kind of tact, that structural kind of thing where we do play with more of a 10 kind of player and we would have liked to have too many or Bellingham in to do that, or too many certainly. But do we get the nine in now first and... Do we then just take a season to kind of figure it out? And then what we'll have is kind of what we did with Van Dijk and Allison, where we were all good to go, but we just needed the final piece of the jigsaw puzzle. And someone like Bellingham could be that. Or is he the signing? Or were we, I suppose, were we looking at two new midfielders to accommodate the agent three that we've got now and the unreliable other three yeah, I, I think they, they will look to do a Bellingham next summer, whether it's him or not. That's that's another question. And I think uh, I had a look. I think his contract's up in 2025, is it? So he'll have two years left of his contract next year. But the idea that he's available because they don't want to... Yeah, he's three years left at the minute, yeah. Yeah, so so he's still going to cost a fair bit of money if he's two, two years after his contract. You're probably talking between 80 and 100 million for that that signing. Um, and we know that, that Nunez, once they've done Nunez, I think we were talking in the pre-pod, Obviously, Liverpool don't like to, to spend massive in, in summers and they like to balance the books. And, you know, people mockingly call us net spend FC. But, like, I'm sorry, that's how it works. If you sell your players and um, and, and raise money for big signings, then, you know, you deserve everything you get. So, I don't think Liverpool are ever going to do and you don't And money. you don't get investigators for financial fair play regularly. Well, exactly. Either. But if you can if you can buy loads and loads of really good lawyers, that, that doesn't really matter, does it? So, um, yeah, I think they the will look to do something like that. Um, with you know, with, with Dortmund, they don't want to lose two stars in the same in the same summer. It is just a little bit of a shame for me that you know we don't get one season of you know. I think as everyone said, you know, like Salah and Firmino probably go and freeze next year. That's, that's the way it's looking at the moment. It's a bit of a shame we won't get one season of Nunez, Bellingham, the rest of the squad as it is now. 
and then selling for Nino there as well. You know, it feels as though the there's always. They, can I just can I interrupt you there because yeah. I read and I'm not reading an awful lot at the minute, but I read this that Dortmund would be if if Dortmund failed to qualify for the knockout stage of the Champions League, they'd be quite happy to let Bellingham go in January. So you could potentially see what you see what you're looking for. Yeah, it could do. Um, I don't really. Yeah, I mean, they sort of exist just for the Champions League, don't they? They're not going to um, supersede this Bayern side in its current form. I don't think strange things have happened. I suppose they always seem to kind of be in and around around March, and then they always seem to play Bayern in, in a March fixture, and Bayern win, and then run away with it and win the league by about ten points. Obviously, that could change, but uh, if they're not in the, in the knockout stages of the Champions League, then and that's that's another question. Obviously, they didn't make it last year, did they? And so, yeah, just just uh, as I was saying, it, I don't. It's a bit of a shame, you know. We we may not get. There always seems to be kind of slight missing piece in the jigsaw, um, doesn't there? You know, with with Nunes with Pug one gap, you'd say that top level midfielder is is a missing piece of the jigsaw now. And then if we get him in, then then we'd have to let Sal and Firmino go. Then we're maybe um you know, cutting corners a bit and, and, and trying to get away with things in the front areas possibly. So yeah, I, I would like to I would like one season of everything just coming together. But you know, if we were if, if you consider we were missing two big pieces of the jigsaw last season, in theory a big midfielder and a Nunes, and we were still what, ten minutes and a an undeserved final away from winning literally everything we can, then I trust Jurgen to kind of pull it all together and, and be pragmatic and and, and get points and, and wins anyway with what he's got. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a habit of doing that, doesn't he? Um, so, Dave, look, I think question kind of remains then. The, the old narratives come out and we heard it, we heard it talked about Thiago particularly. I was like, nah, we're not signing him. Everybody says we're not signing him. I think even Paul Joyce said we weren't signing anybody and then we signed him. And we've heard that there's prioritisation being given to new contracts for, you know, Salah, Naby, um, I think Elliot and Joe Gomez, I think. And that's where all the all the um, efforts are going on at the minute. But do you buy that? Do you buy that? Or do you think we do go and get one more? I, d- I don't buy it because I don't see, like... And again, no harm to all that. Absolutely no harm to all that. It's just, it hasn't worked for him. I don't see what we're doing looking at renewing Katie's contract. Everybody else, I can, I, I, I don't have a problem with Elliot. I don't think we know what we're going to do with him just yet. I think we're still learning with him. Keeping Joe Gomez, to me, is the most prudent of them all. Um, because he, uh, towards the end of the season there, he showed his worth that, that he's flexible. He can play across the black line. He fucking cross a ball. He's a decent player. And, and I'm delighted to hear that he is being lined up for another contract. Naby Keita, and I, and I don't want to be hard on Naby Keita because there is a player in there. It's just like, we, we talk about the three versions of him and one of those versions is a, is a fucking fantastic footballer. But it, it's, it's just not happened for him. And, and I don't see how elongating his suffering, so to speak, at Liverpool benefits anybody. Um, come, you know, I, I, I'm going to throw a question across the board at you here. You know, if you see Keita's name on, on a team sheet, are you, do you, you you can't trust it, can you? Because there's one of three versions comes out. You never know what you're going to get. Um, it's a bit like Sturridge at the end, a bit like Glenn Johnson at the end. You never knew what you were going to get. 
they could come off with, with a great game, but there was a great game in them. But I, I don't know, Dave. I, I, what the fuck are we doing thinking about renewing this guy's contract? <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's. He's the big know. one. He's the big. He's he, he's the big money signing that hasn't really. At least not that he hasn't worked out, but he hasn't worked out certainly the way that we all envisaged. And I just don't no. see any point in, in prolonging that. Yeah, I think he was supposed to be the guy that was going to evolve our midfield, um, and it hasn't really happened for a variety of different reasons, more so than anything else, just availability. And then throwing in an absolute stinker every now and again. So, well, yeah, ideally, I think. We, sorry to, to jump over there. No, ideally, go on. Somebody, ideally, somebody comes in with a with a yeah. decent offer for this this summer, and you can sell him and invest the money in a midfielder that you need, sort of at this moment in time, like a you know, a, Be- a Bellingham type. Someone who who come in and and you'll get more value. But, but it is Carvalho. Is Carvalho that? And you see, we don't. We none of us really know. Carvalho could no. shock the hell out of us. Carvalho looks to be more Coutinho than anything else. Yeah, if, Carvalho, if you want to have a really lazy, a really lazy there. sort of comparison. Yeah. Um, is, is there a chance so, I mean, that? that is there a chance that Kira could be? Involved in the Bellingham deal in some way because if Dortmund are looking to replace Bellingham, you know, Naby Keita was the best midfielder in the Bundesliga three or four years ago, and he's still at the age where he could do a job for them. Yeah, I mean that that could be interesting. I mean that's the sort of deal you'd be, which would be perfect because Keita might have been the midfielder we needed. The year we signed him, but by the time he arrived, he wasn't a midfielder we needed, and we tried to sort of mold him into something else. And while it's worked at times, and he has been good for us, it's not. We're not getting enough out of him. We're not getting maximum Naby Keita certainly, and even then, we probably don't really need even what maximum Naby Keita can can give us. In this role, I mean, we probably are looking, as you said, Dave, Chuameni was the the top uh, top target by many accounts, and we've been touted around Bellingham for ages, and there was the idea that we would even go and do both, um, perhaps a year apart. So, so that is an area of the pitch and a position that we, we are very interested in in bolstering, which you know sort of tends to suggest we're not happy with the options as they are now. So. That's the ideal. But it was also, Chief, there's also, we, I would say we were also buying Nunes if we'd have got this other lad as well. I don't think that would have changed anything. It's just a case of whether the next one on their list, Bellingham, is, is not available, who's after that, and whether they want to, 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 to fund it. I think and it's that's, this scenario where it, we've seen now this gradual but fairly accelerated kind of evolution of the front three. You know, Firmino's been phased out. Mane's now gone. Salah, we're, we're not sure what's happening with the new deal. And we've seen Jota, Nunez and, and Diaz come in. And there may well be another one. And I think now we're going to start to see the next phase of the evolution of this side, which is refreshing that midfield from top to bottom. Um, 
I think Carvalho probably wasn't a player stylistically that we needed. So what does that mean? Is it a gamble? Is it him or Elliot? Is, is are those two? And then we go about replacing Wijnaldum that people would say that we did or didn't replace by by bringing Thiago in, Henderson, Fabinho, and start looking at those positions over the next 18 months, two years, maybe three years, and we'll see that, and maybe it will be as accelerated as as the front three positions were, and that will be based on success, and that might be based on the fact that we don't re- renew Mo Salah's contract, etc. Yeah, it, I mean, the front three's done, as you said, and maybe with the additional one more, the defence is, is slowly being being worked on a little bit as well. Uh, we just signed this Calvin Ramsey. We obviously signed um, Simi last season, obviously signed Kanate as well. We've got Gomez there, <clears throat> who's still young and is ultimately a really good centre-back. Um, so you've kind of, you know, you, you've got sort of a backup options, but also future options there. And the midfield is, there are one or two, but in that in that kind of engine room area, um, the legs are sort of going a little, the, they're all a little bit older. And, you know, you rightly say that's that's the next area for, for the evolution to, to begin or to take place. So, um, yeah, that's why I, I sort of hinted at it a few times. I wouldn't rule out us not quite being done this summer. Not saying we definitely will do anything, but it's fluid. And for the club to be sort of announcing or the journalists to be peddling the line that Liverpool's business is done on, what is it, June the 19th or something, June the 20th, um, given there's what seven weeks of the transfer window left or more, maybe eight or nine, I think it's premature, absolutely premature. And um, I don't think anyone will be swallowing that yet. It might turn out to be the case, but um, there's a lot that can happen between now and then. Yeah, so Andy, there is a lot that can happen between now and then. And the names that have been bandied around are... Bellingham's the obvious one we've talked about. Um, Barnes, or Dortmund, sorry, Dortmund's approach tends to be one big one out each summer and Haaland's already gone, so you wouldn't expect that would happen. Burrell has been linked earlier on today um, with a Naby Keita swap deal. That would get me really excited. Genie returns on a loan deal, which sort of makes sense if you're trying to plug a gap for a, for a window or a season. And then we've got Marco Asensio, and the one that I find quite interesting is, um, looks like Arsenal may sign Rafinha. So does that does that facilitate Saka's availability, and do we go there? So I don't know. Are there any of those that you feel have any sort of, you know, traction to them at all? I think your man Fabrizio Romano's poured ice over that when Aldum thing says at the moment there's there's no talks over it. Uh, it would make sense as a stopgap for a season, but also you know he, the the level of performances in this final season coupled with his performances for PSG and yes he had a a, a good European Championship so he was playing at a role which Liverpool never had any real interest in using him in. So I, I couldn't really see that, although I could get on board with it if it did happen. 
Barella and Asensio, I can't see at all. Uh, Bellingham, I think, is the one that they'll definitely try to do. Um, he's in that kind of too many mold of being a big lad, physical, loves a tackle, but also like um, passes and I don't even know how to describe it, just passes in a way, his body shapes. and You just watch him passing the ball and you know he's different class to a lot of players on that pitch quite sometimes. And um, yeah, the, the, the Saka one's interesting. It seems that we've, we've been sniffing around for quite a while. Another one I quite like is Martinelli. Um, I don't think he's had quite as good a season this year as he did when he came in. I know he had a bad injury, but I, I really, really like him. And I know Jurgen likes him as well. Um, did he maybe sign a new contract recently, though? So that might be a little bit more difficult. He maybe did. And he's another one that seems to be like not available for random reasons all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, th- I think I he's... With that. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think the one that, that I could possibly see happening... Um, post Salah is um, maybe Serge Gnabry actually at Bayern and there's been no real links over it but seems to fit the profile doesn't he so I wonder if there could be anything there okay one would imagine that would have been part of the, part of the Manny thing if, if or maybe that's what's holding it up <laughs> well I think we do tend to we do tend to cement really good relationships with with Clubs and setups, etc. You know, I think that we get we get tacky from RB Salzburg, we Canate and and Kyder from Leipzig. I think we've got friendlies lined up with both of them um, in the preseason. And it's been said that the FST have gone in to kind of observe their their structure and, and use them as a bit of a template of what they've tried to to bridge with um, or tr- try to achieve a Liverpool. And you've got those Portuguese connections that we've seen you utilised really well with um, Linders, the under-21 coach, and I think Julian Ward as well was over there for 10 years or something. So, you know, we've seen this in the past, and obviously there's a relationship built with Fulham, there's a relationship built with Bayern. So it's it's not out of the question at all. Um, okay, lads, any final thoughts just before we wrap things up? No. Nope. Right, take that as a resounding no. Okay, so... Um, until we sign somebody else um, yeah up in that spend reds <laughs>